We turn then in God's word to the book of Leviticus, this morning chapter 16, Leviticus chapter 16. For those of you visiting with us, uh, we are on a series of messages uh, on the book of Leviticus. I think uh, most of them are, are on the web if you want to go back and uh, take note of where we've been. Um, We're up to the 16th chapter today, which is entitled in most of our versions, The Day of Atonement. And that is what uh, we'll be reading about. So let's hear God's breathed out word to you and I upon this day. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, but in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on and he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Aziel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Aziel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Aziel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. No one may be in the tent of meeting at the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. 
Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And when he had made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness." Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place and put on his garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who lets the goat go to Aziel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterwards he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterwards he may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves, and you shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. The priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did, as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus far the reading of God's breathed out word. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you are our atonement, that we no longer have to do these Things, these sacrifices, for you have paid it all. You are the lamb. You were sacrificed that we may have life. And Lord, we praise you for this. And we ask that you will be with Pastor Bob as he preaches on all of these things and what they mean. Bless him in his preaching that we may be fed your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So this day that is designated here in the chapter we have before us, the 16th chapter of Leviticus, is the Day of Atonement. In, for the Jews, it is called Yom Kippur. Interestingly, that a uh, number of years ago, some of you will recall this, uh, it was on Yom Kippur that uh, 
one of Israel's enemies started a war. And uh, obviously, as the passage says, it's supposed to be a day of Sabbath rest. And the Jewish people of the nation of Israel have never forgotten that their enemies took advantage of them on their solemn day of rest and began the war, began the attack upon that day. But while we reflect upon that, even though it was Yom Kippur, they were not celebrating Yom Kippur because they cannot. Because since 70 AD, there has been no temple. There has been no official priesthood and there has been no place of sacrifice. There has been no holy of holies. There has been no mercy seat. And so for all of these years, the Jewish people weep at that western wall mourning the fact not just that they don't have the temple, but there is no day of atonement. There is no day upon which their sins are covered. There is no day of forgiveness. What a horrible, horrible thing it would be to live in a world where there is no forgiveness. And yet, not only they, but how many billions of others pass by. And they do not realize that there is indeed a day of atonement for them. But our concern this morning, brothers and sisters, is not so much the Jewish people or the billions of others who are without Christ as we consider this passage this morning. But it's you and I. Do we look past God's teaching in this passage? And therefore are perhaps overwhelmed with past sin. We're weighed down by guilt of the past, not realizing that our day of atonement has indeed come. So let's dig into this passage looking at three main points this morning. First of all, the prior judgment that is mentioned. Secondly, the practice that is declared. Thirdly, the pictured atonement. So the prior judgment, the practice declared, and the pictured atonement. We know we're dealing with something about that which has happened in the past because verse one tells us the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. God is coming and speaking to Moses because of the event of the death of Aaron's two sons. Let me just refresh. The priesthood had just begun. Aaron and his sons have just been ordained and consecrated as priests. The next thing we read in the 10th chapter of Leviticus is that two of his sons, Nadab and Abihu, went in before the Lord and offered strange fire. And as they went in and offered that strange fire, the fire of the Lord came out and consumed them. And although their clothing is not burned up, a sign and a reminder of the fact that the God was not judging the priesthood, but those who occupied the position, his sons are dead. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death 
of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. So now Aaron has the job. Aaron, it's your task and it's your two other sons' task as priests before me to draw near to me. From a human perspective, Aaron's probably thinking, I'm not so sure I want to do this. I've got two sons that we have just buried ashes because of your judgment, Lord, and now you're saying you want me to draw near to you. But you see, this passage is indeed full of grace because now the Lord comes and says, Aaron, this is how you have to do it. It's not what your sons did, but this is what you need to do. And so first of all, we read uh, after this reminder that there is a provided means for Aaron, for him to go through, that he's not to come, verse two tells us at any time, but he is to come as we follow through chapter 16 in the way that God orders it, not by Aaron's means, not by Aaron's desire, not by what Aaron thinks would be a good way. He has two dead sons who tried that. But by God's way, by God's means. And you'll note that that what God insists upon is blood. Aaron's sons tried to come into the presence of the Lord with unauthorized fire. One cannot enter the presence of the Lord with fire. One can only enter the presence of the Lord with blood. That's what he's telling them. You can come, you can come, Aaron, but you need to come before me with the sacrifice and the blood of that animal. That is the means by which you come before me. But he, as he says that to Aaron, he is also at the same time speaking to the people. You too can come before me through Aaron. This is the means by which you are allowed to enter into my presence. As Aaron enters into my presence, you as the people of Israel are allowed to come into my presence as well. By what means? By means of atonement, 13 times, 13 times, I believe it is in this chapter, that word appears. Atonement, atonement, atonement. What does that word mean? It means to ransom. It means to, it means to provide a means by which those who are under the cloud of something else or under the control of something else are ransomed away, are taken away. It is to rescue by means of a substitute. And you see this whole chapter is a picture, is it not? How are these people going to be atoned for? There's going to be a substitute. Something is going to take their place. And because that thing takes their place, they are allowed through Aaron to come into the very presence of a holy God. So secondly then, what is the practice that is declared? Well, there are, I I summed it up in five things. First of all, 
the priest has to make certain preparations. We find those in verses 3 through 14, which I find to be rather interesting because that's a long section. There is a long section about how the priest is supposed to be prepared. He's to bathe. He's to put on the holy garments, not just his regular ordinary clothes, not his everyday work priest's clothes, but those special clothes, those holy garments, those linen garments. Even make sure you put on your linen underwear that day. Aaron, those linen undergarments, make sure you come into my presence with the clothing that I have ordered to be made and that you are to wear. He's to bathe the holy garments. He's to offer a bull for himself and for his family. And then he's to go in and take some of that blood of that that bull. And he's to go before that mercy seat. And and he's to, to sprinkle some of that blood before that mercy seat. By the way, the mercy seat, the cherubim, okay, the way it's set up is it always faces east. So when it says on the east side, that means the front of it. So take some of that blood, you see, and as you you come to that mercy seat, the first thing that's got to go before you, you can't approach this mercy seat. You've got to have the blood, sprinkle the blood of that bull upon there. Take two goats, make a decision between, by casting lots, one of these goats you're going to kill, the other you're going to keep alive. Aaron, this is how you have to prepare, not only for yourself, but also for your family. And, And you can't do the work for the people without having prepared yourself. Secondly, we take the slain goat, it's verses 15 through 19. We take this goat, we kill it. And now we take some of the blood of this goat and Aaron has to go in again. So he went in the first time with the blood for himself so that he himself is purified, so that he himself is cleansed, so that he himself along with his family have had their sins atoned for. Now he can carry on and function as the priest. So he takes some of this blood of the goat and now as the representative of the people, he goes back into the tabernacle. He goes back into the Holy of Holies with a special mixture of incense first that he puts on the incense so that what? There is a cloud. Why? Because he is about to enter into the very presence of God. For God's glory dwells between those cherubim. And so that there would be a cloud of smoke, almost as if there there is to be some sort of buffer rather than being directly in God's presence for no man can see God and live. So even this is part of God's grace. Even this is part of God's mercy. And now he takes some of that blood of the goat, the one they killed, the one upon whom the lot fell. Kill that one. Take that blood and sprinkle it in front and on top of the mercy seat. Oh, what a picture. What a picture. This is the means by which you make 
atonement. For what? For all the sins of the people of Israel. Two, three million people. What do you do? Sprinkle some blood. Well, don't we need like 900 bulls? Don't we need like 55 gallon drums? Shouldn't, shouldn't we have a forklift bringing this stuff in and dumping it out? No, just sprinkle. Just sprinkle some of the goat's blood. That's all that's needed. That's all that's necessary. And by this, you make atonement for the people. And then when you come back out, now we deal with the live goat. You walk up to that live goat, Aaron, and you put your hands on top of the head of that live goat and you confess all the sins of God's people. What does that sound like? How long a prayer was that one? Huh? Right? Sometimes you get upset about how long the congregational prayer goes. Imagine if it's a time of confession for two, three million people. My guess is it sounded like something like this. Lord, forgive us. For we have had idols. Lord, forgive us for we have kept idols and made things to look like you. Lord, forgive us as a people for we have not honored and upheld your name. Lord, forgive us for we have not kept your day holy. We have not honored our parents. We have not protected the lives of others. We have not guarded. We have hated in our heart. We have stolen their property. We have taken things from them. We have committed immorality after immorality. We have not spoken the truth and we have too great a desire for the things of this world and not your things. He confesses the sins of the people. And then some man who has been standing on the side, somebody who had been designated, somebody who had been picked for this job, takes the live goat and goes off into the wilderness. So it cannot be seen. So the sounds of the camp cannot be heard. And then you take the leash, you take the rope off the head of the goat and you send it on its way. And after you see that it's disappeared, you come back. When that man appears back at the camp, outside of the camp, the people know the goat, the scapegoat, as sometimes it is referred to, has been let go. And their sins that were confessed on the head of that goat have now been removed. Not only atoned for, but removed. Now, before anybody does anything else, we got to get everybody back together. So God issues in verses 23 through 28, the cleanup work. There's responsibilities for Aaron. <laughs> you go back in the tabernacle, hang up those nice linen clothes, 
bathe while you're in there and put on the clothes that you wore when you went in. Come back out. Don't, don't, don't come back. Okay. The guy who, who has to take care of the goat, make sure he washes his clothes outside of the camp and bathes, and then he may come back in. We have some stuff left over from the sacrifices. We have skins and we have flesh and we have dung. The guy who has to gather that all up, have him take it outside of the camp and burn it. And then he himself also, outside of the camp, has to wash and bathe. This is what you are to do. And then God says, starting in 31 through 34, do this once a year. Do it on the 10th day of the seventh month. Don't do it on the ninth day of the seventh month. Don't do it on the 11th day of the seventh month. Always do it on the 10th day of the seventh month, once a year. And that day is to be considered a Sabbath. You shall do no work and you are to... It talks about inflict yourself, right? It uses that kind of language that that on that day you are to afflict. What does that mean? It means it's to be a day of fasting. This is a day where you set aside the ordinary things of life, even the things of food, so that you may focus, so that you may think about, so that you may reflect upon this day that I am giving you. This day of atonement, this day when you as my people can now come near to me. And those sins of that whole year are now atoned for and taken away. Well, I would trust that as we turn to point three this morning, the pictured atonement I would trust that by the time we turn to this, those of you who have been attending uh, this series should be able to fill in the blank. What is Leviticus 16? It's a shadow. It's a shadow. This is, this is one of those shadows again that, that's laying there on the ground. It's a real shadow. It's not a fake shadow, it's a real shadow. It really is a shadow. There is the reality of what is taking place here. God's not just saying, hey, these would be some nice things for you to think about and reflect on. You don't actually have to do them. Oh no, why would I, why would I want any bulls killed and blood sprinkled? Why would I want Aaron to have to just put those special clothes on? Why, why would we want to take two goats? Why would we want to do all that? No, no, no. It's just there to think out. No, it's a real shadow. Every year, as the people of Israel would be faithful to the Lord, they would go through this exact ceremony. Whether it's for the 40 years they're going to wander, or whether it's for the years that that temple stands. Every year on the 10th day of the seventh month, we do this ceremony. 
bulls, goats, rams, blood, clothes. It's all there. But it's but a shadow. But everything is the shadow. The day, the sacrifices, the blood, the mercy seat, the atonement, the removal of the goat. All of that is pointing to something. And if we look on the ground, if we look at what this shadow is, it's not a shadow of bulls. That's not what we see on the ground. It's not a shadow of goats. The shadow that we see on the ground points to the reality of the cross. It points to Christ. See, I still remember the the question, why, why would I read Leviticus? It's so hard. Because Leviticus page after page, verse after verse, in a shadow on the ground points us to the reality of Christ. It points us to the truth of who he is. It points us to the truth of what he has come to do. Take your Bible, leave it open here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter nine. Pastor Mark's gone. If he keeps preaching, I'm gonna have nothing left in Hebrews to go back to. Oh, there's plenty, there's plenty. Hebrews chapter nine. We're gonna pick it up at verse 11. Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ appeared... Okay, here's the reality. Everything has been a shadow, but here's the reality. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands. See, he's talking about Aaron on the day of atonement going into, he's going through the tent. He's from the outside. He goes to the holy place. He goes to the most holy place. He's going through the tent. Christ went through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of bulls and calves. Goats and calves. See what day? This is the only day in which we're doing this. Goats and calves. By means of his own blood. Not by the means. See, Christ is there before the mercy seat of God doing what? Sprinkling his own blood. Before the mercy seat of God. Father, take my blood as the substitute for the blood of those people because that's what their sin requires. Their sin requires their own death physically, spiritually, eternally. Take my blood. I'm offering my blood as the substitute. I'm offering my blood as the atonement. For if the blood, verse 13, of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. If that's what it represented in the Old Testament, 
How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God? See, what had to happen before that day of atonement? Aaron had to, had to do his own thing. He had to go in first and make atonement for himself. Why? Because he's a sinner. Christ never has to make atonement for himself. He, his blood does not make him clean, first of all. He is clean. He is without sin. He is without blemish. So his blood poured out is only for you and me. Only an atonement for us. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serving the living God? What the author is saying is what those Jews are doing at the temple because it's not 70 AD yet. It's a dead work. They're invested in a shadow rather than the reality of Christ. Or turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, just a few pages ahead. Verse 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. What is he there? What is Peter saying he is? He's our substitute. That's what atonement is. He is the one who rescues us as our substitute. Or go to chapter three of 1 Peter. Chapter three, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. See, he suffered once. We don't need the 10th day of the seventh month because it happened once. There was but one day of atonement. All those days of atonement that got celebrated were only a shadow of the one reality of the one day of atonement. The day Jesus Christ offers himself upon that cross. He suffered once that he might what? Bring us to God. Go back to Leviticus 16. What's the whole day about? How might you come into my presence? How might you come? What is the means? Christ and Christ alone. He is the only means by which we can enter in to the presence of God. He's the only means by which you and I can worship we seek to worship God apart from Christ or as good as dead or like a Nadab and a Bayou we're toast apart from Christ we cannot worship God apart from Christ 
There is no atonement for our sins. Apart from Christ, there is no mercy. Apart from Christ, death for our sin. There is no salvation. Because the reality of Leviticus 16 is the cross. But it's not just that blood sprinkled against that mercy seat and on it, is it? That's not the only picture that was taking place there. That's wonderful. That's glorious. That's amazing. It ought to call forth out of our hearts the highest joy and praise that we can give to God. It ought to exude from us a life that we desire to live in holiness and praise to him in every part, in every sphere, that my whole being, said the hymn writer, may proclaim thy glory and thy ways. A life committed to love, to loving God, to loving our spouse, to loving our children, to loving the people of God, to loving the church, a life committed as we're looking at Wednesday nights of these heroes of the faith who are willing to die for the sake of this glorious message of the gospel. But there's more because there's the live goat, a live goat that's going to be taken off into the wilderness. Psalm 103, as far as east is from west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. They are gone. They're not just covered. Glory be to God, they're covered. As a goat wandering out in the wilderness is carrying upon it all the sins of the people of God. So God does with your sin. So God does with my sin. He removes it from us. He remembers it no more. Goat? What goat? Remember the goat with it? I remember it no more. It's gone. Or go with me to, that was Psalm 103. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter three. (laughs) Yeah, we know the book of Romans. We know chapter three. This is where we're all unrighteous. This is where no one does what is good. But go to verse 21. But now, but now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe 
There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood, as the atonement, as the payment, as the substitute. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Do you? Are you trusting solely in the blood? Of Christ? Are you trusting in God's word? Are you hearing God's word here in Leviticus chapter 16 that not only is your sin covered, but your sin is removed? Someone has written that one of the reasons that the church today seems is so ineffective is because it's still bearing guilt. Well, if it's still bearing guilt and it's never really understood grace. Let me tell you, brother or sister in Christ this morning, if you are here this morning and you're still bearing the guilt of past sin, I want you to picture that sin as that goat that's off in the wilderness and it's gone. It's gone. Don't hold against yourself that which God no longer holds against you. Not only is your sin covered in the blood of Christ, but your sin has been removed. It's gone. And then are you living for God's glory? Are you ordering your life so that as I referenced earlier, every part of day or night you realize is to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Oh, the power of the cross.